1: Welcome to New Books in Language, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm Malcolm Keating. Today we'll be talking to Bo Mu, editor of Philosophy of Language, Chinese Language, Chinese Philosophy, published as Volume 37 in Brill's Philosophy of History and Culture series. So I am speaking today with Professor Bo Mo about his book with Brill, Chinese, excuse me, Philosophy of Language, Chinese Language, and Chinese Philosophy, published... By, uh, by Brill in 2018. So thank you for Professor Mo for for taking the time to speak with us today.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Okay.
1: So what we usually start with is telling our listeners briefly how you came to be interested in the topic of this of the book um, in particular here the Chinese language Chinese philosophy and philosophy of language more broadly.
2: Oh, okay um I think it's uh it's uh, the question the uh, uh how you came to interested in the chinese language chinese philosophy and philosophy language but actually in my case the water is uh kind of this, uh philosophy and the classical chinese philosophy and then contemporary philosophy in the mainstream relation and then analytic philosophy and then read on the, the philosophy language so let me very briefly uh highlight uh my interest, uh, my interest changed. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, it's. Uh, I was born in the Beijing, the China. <clears throat> I re- recognize. Uh, in my. Uh, the Beijing environment was its uh, distinct manifestation of the richness in Chinese culture and the community, have recessively impacted on my outlook and the character in multiple connection. The layers since my childhood, so. Uh, People sometimes say uh, each of the uh, people in the Chinese tradition is uh, partially Confucian and partially Taoism, uh, more or less, uh, to some extent. Yeah, I think that's true. So generally speaking, uh, you see there's uh, no religion uh, in Ch- in the Western sense in the Chinese tradition, but philosophy as a counterpart of religion regarding its uh, spiritual orientation and the social function. So I would like to say I, I have been uh, uh, influenced by the orientation of the pursuit shared by many ordinary people in the China, uh, which just like I mentioned is the uh, Arab people more or less is a kind of the partially Confucian, partially uh, Taoism. So it can be summarized in a more reflective way in the Confucian slogan in the Chinese pronunciation the nation, uh, it's uh, it's roughly the mean. Each people try to uh become the uh uh cultivate itself uh inside uh and also try to make the society and the environment better. Uh, and when I say is uh, a par- partially confusion, partially uh, Taoism, I mean so this confusion, um, a slogan orientation is uh combined with Taoist uh Taoist anti uh. It's uh, excessive. So that that's a kind of background. So I would like to say, is I uh, in the since my childhood, I was interested in the uh, philosophy. Uh, there's uh, two other uh, special contributing uh, uh, element. For foreign thing, uh, uh, in my elementary school and the middle school, I grew up in the Beijing during the so-called uh, Cultural Revolution movement in China from nineteen sixty six through the nineteen seventy six uh nineteen sixty six i was in the elementary school so during you know, that time as the arab people even for the students in the elementary elementary school and the middle school uh more or less involved the political philosophical surely the marxist philosophy the learning so uh, uh people from that uh period are familiar Every people are required to read the uh, five uh classical text of the Marxist, So that's also a contributing element, uh, uh, is uh, uh, my interest in the philosophy. Another contributing uh, element is my family, my father's uh, uh, influence. So that that's a long story, I ignore that part. But anyway, uh, in the 1977, that's after 10 years of revolution, and uh, with the interruption of the uh, uh, Regular, regular course of the higher education. 1977, there is the first national, um, uh, higher education, uh, entrance examination. So I was, uh, I was the first, uh, 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 I was one of the, these uh, college students after first term after Cultural Revolution. So at that time, I was majoring in the uh, mathematics, uh, a minor in the computing science. Uh, so in the, from nineteen seventy eight through nineteen eighty two i uh after i graduated uh, with, uh, from my college with a, a bachelor's degree in the science major in the computer science i uh, changed my interest i restart uh focusing on uh, studying the philosophy so that's how i uh with this uh, picture how my interest in uh, changing into the philosophy. And, and then I spent the one year uh, focusing on a various uh, subject in the philosophy, uh, taking their examination and also, among others, the classical Chinese philosophy, I think takes a one year, two semester, uh, courses on a history of the Chinese philosophy. Uh, it's, uh, taking all of the examination there. And then, uh, I, uh, uh, and to take the national graduate study uh, examination in philosophy. So I'm facing uh, which subject I will focus on in the philosophy. So it's uh, uh, I think with my background in the science and the mathematics, my interest in the quite naturally uh, is uh, to the subject analytical philosophy or contemporary philosophy in the mainstream uh relation uh in the english speaking country so it's a, I, uh, uh i i went to the graduate study on a um, focus on uh, analytic philosophy or contemporary philosophy in the mainstream as a graduate school of the Chinese, Chinese academy of the social sciences um so that that's where my interest in the philosophy and the philosophy language combined. Uh, it's no, it's the uh, analytic contemporary analytic philosophy is uh, largely overlap with a uh, contemporary philosophy language. Uh, so there's uh, where my interest into uh, uh, change into the uh, philosophy language. Uh, surely I uh, I'm interested in the language uh, per se. Uh, I spent a five years uh, in learning the Russian language. Actually, that's a foreign language requirement in. Middle school, uh, I uh five years. At that time, I I, I know nothing about the English. Uh, and then when I changed my interest into philosophy, and just now I say I spent one year in a university in the, uh, in Beijing, uh, studying the, uh, type, kind of the systematic study of the philosophy. At the same time, I uh start I'm the German language by myself. Um. Uh and then at the same time uh is uh, I began studying English. Oh, by the way, uh surely uh when I was a college student, our foreign language requirement is uh is English. I mean after high school, yes. So at that time is uh I have some uh uh is uh, interest, interested in the different kind of the language. Uh you see my uh my my, my father kind of a scholar is my father's study full of the. Classical Chinese uh, text. There is uh, a, a classical Chinese, Chinese modern Chinese literature, philosophy, and uh, history. And uh, uh, at that time, I also have uh, uh, I learned uh, three different kinds of the foreign language. Uh, First, the Russian language, and then the English language, and the German. So in this way, you see quite naturally my interest in the contemporary philosophy, and then analytic philosophy. And then the philosophy language. On the one hand, on the other hand, it's, uh, I have some knowledge of different kind of kind of uh, natural natural Uh But surely, it's uh, uh, when I interested in language. And I also, by language I also mean is kind of the uh, two kind of the symbolic language. Uh, yeah, for instance, the ancient, uh, Yijing symbolic language in the yijing text in the ancient version. Uh, it's not really speaking, not uh, one kind of natural language. It's an ancient Chinese symbolic language. People probably have some knowledge of the high and the yin-yang divided line, divided line. And then I also have uh, learned the modern uh, logic and the symbolic logic. So it's with all these kind of languages. Uh, so my interest in the philosophy language is uh, uh, combined, my background.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. And, and that, that's lot. great. <laughs> no, that's that's there's yeah. there's quite a lot there. It's really um, it's interesting how all of these different aspects have come together, uh, especially in it's sort of showcased in this book, because as you say, there's um, what we might call analytic philosophy, sort of mainstream analytic philosophy. There's Chinese philosophy in the sort of classical sense, uh, and then you have also a discussion of the the Chinese language, and all three of these things are interwoven um, in, of course, in your own personal history and then in this edited volume. So let's let's turn to that now. The edited volume comes out of these um, International Society for Comparative Studies of Chinese and Western philosophy and some projects that we're focused on constructive engagement between, for instance, in particular, Donald Davidson and John Searle and Chinese philosophy. So there's two things that I think are important to get at before we dig into the text itself and the contributions. One is, what do you mean by constructive engagement and why is it important? And then second, why the focus on Donald Davidson and John Searle as interlocutors? So let's start with the first. What's constructive engagement?
2: Uh yeah. Uh, actually, uh, here uh, there are things at the three level and in the three connections from a general to the specific. When I talking about the uh, constructive engagement, uh, first, first level. Uh, more generally speaking, I mean the constructive engagement strategy as a general methodological uh, way in doing philosophy comparatively or doing philosophy in cross-cultural engaging way concerning any philosophical tradition uh so that uh and then as far as the uh, re- representative philosophical tradition are concerned specifically speaking here we focus on the western tradition and the chinese tradition so it's a uh, methodological and the theoretical concern are general as uh, uh it's general well it's a specific study of the specific resources we focus on the engagement between the Western and the Chinese philosophy. Uh, here uh, we came to uh, just uh, uh, Macomb mentioned, it's uh, the project of the International Society for comparative study of the Chinese Western philosophy. Now this is uh, the inter- uh, uh, International Association. Uh, it's, uh, his mission is uh, to carry on a construct engagement um, uh, strategy uh yeah i i will uh say something about what is constraint engagement here i talk about the three levels three connections uh, just like so i mentioned that uh one general uh, general speaking specifically speaking general speaking is a general way of the doing philosophy specifically speaking we focus on resources of the Western chinese coalition and uh, as far as some specific subject of the philosophical is concerned specifically speaking here, we have the constructive engagement strategy as a general methodological strategy in doing philosophy language comparatively uh, concern, uh, concerning any philosophical relations. So uh, basically in the introduction to this value, I uh, suggest and I explain uh, that the general idea of the constructive engagement strategy, strategy in the doing philosophy language comparatively, so yeah uh, so in this way uh, when I talk about the three level or in three connection, we talk about constructive, constructive uh, engagement strategy so uh, in plain words, uh, briefly speaking uh, constructive engagement strategy and the purpose of, uh, in doing philosophy is something like this it's uh, uh, through the criticism uh Including self-criticism and under guidance of the adequate methodological guiding principle, is inquire into the how uh, different uh, approaches or different resources from a different uh, philosophical tradition uh, can talk to each other, learn from each other, and engage with each other, and then eventually make a joint contribution to the contemporary development of the philosophy on a range of the joint concerns the issue of the philosophical value and the philosophical significance, so it's a uh, simply speaking it's something like this surely i i I need to make some note by philosophical tradition, we understood in a broad way uh either distinguished culturally in that sense we talk about the a Western tradition, Chinese tradition, Indian tradition, I just named the three major philosophical traditions distinguished culturally. Uh, we also mean different style and orientation. So in that sense, we talk about the analytic approach and the continental approach. Traditionally, people take the analytic approach, continental approach, as a local approaches within the Western tradition. We understand this analytic and the continental approach broadly is a cross traditional way. Uh, in the Chinese tradition, uh, we also can identify the continental style of the doing philosophy. For example, as you will know, it's a Taoist uh, text. dao is a 5,000 word. Three the speaking is kind of the philosophical point. You see, continental tradition try to use a point language to deliver the idea in the Chinese tradition, we have a uh, analex it's a uh, confusion the way way is not a analytic uh, uh, philosophical essay it's a kind of the dialogue uh, it's uh, often appear to make a dogmatic claim but actually uh, you need to identify the uh, the underlying argumentation through the whole text and in the in the in the case of the Dao De Jing, it's a continental style yeah so uh, by the philosophical tradition we and, and, and understand it in a broad way distinguished culturally and by orientation and, and the style and another important uh, uh, turn is uh, is the how the different tradition, relevant resources from different traditions can, can talk to each other rather than just the passing by uh, talk to each other, engage with each other and learn from each other, make joint contributions to what to arrange range of the joint concern issue in the philosophy or intellectual pursuit. By the joint concern, people probably say, how can tell? Uh, do you mean that Laozi Zhuangzi using the same language, talk about the same thing? I don't mean that. So, it's, uh, I mean, after through the appropriate suitable philosophical interpretation, we can identify something underlying, uh, deep, behind the words in the text. So, simply speaking, that's uh, 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 what I mean, constructive engagement. But uh, surely, uh, how to give the further systematic uh, explanation of such constructive engagement strategy? That's another issue. Actually, uh, probably <laughs> that's, uh, uh, I answered your final, final question. Actually, I just uh, finished the monograph uh, uh, this month, actually, for coming uh, next month. It's, a, it's a my way to give the systematic account of the constructive engagement strategy. So it's entitled is Cross-Protation philosophy. Philosophy. Uh, it's Cross-Protation Engagement in Philosophy. Subtitle is uh, A, Constructive Engagement Account. So I take constructive strategy as a general type. So different authors, different scholar probably give, give their different elaboration. So in this uh, monograph book, I give my uh, systematic, relatively systematic elaboration of the constructive engagement uh, strategy.
1: Great. Okay. So 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 constructive engagement oh, here. Okay. Um, okay. Then we can we can talk about your monograph just a little bit at, at the end. But that's yeah, okay. that's great that, that you're thinking about the the methodological that methodological implications here and and how to how to engage in uh, constructive engagement in the contributions in, in this volume, you're looking in particular at philosophy of language, uh, the way in which thinking about the Chinese language and the English language as objects of study can be um, philosophically fruitful. So there's, there's multiple levels. So maybe let's get into some of the contributions then to to sort of showcase what is, what these two uh, sorts of traditions Chinese philosophy and um, anglophone analytic philosophy can can do together so the book the book is divided into a few sections and in the first part of the book we're looking at problems of reference in particular related to the semantics of Chinese names and there's a famous paradox and Chinese thought known as the white horse paradox Uh, this is there's a lot of literature on this and your volume includes um, two two papers about the paradox so can you, oops, excuse me? Can you um, tell listeners what the paradox is, and tell them what it tells us mm-hmm. about the Chinese language and about language more broadly?
2: Before I answer that question, I uh, probably it's uh, it's good to present the three uh, front of this uh, volume focus on, and then in that background we we move on to this uh, specific question about the White Paradox. Very briefly yeah there is a three uh front. the first front is uh, how it's uh you see it's, uh when we uh, talk about the philosophy language uh, you uh, typically here is uh, people based on the feature of the english language uh, it's uh but it, all these conclusions are considered to be the general whole for all kind of the natural language so uh, 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 that this somehow related to the white horse uh uh paradigm case okay but actually, there is a, some uh, distinct feature of the Chinese language. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, not uh, fully was mostly explained by the current sources in contemporary philosophy which based on the feature of the English language. Like, so that's one friend. We focus on uh, some uh, distinct uh, distinctive uh, features of the Chinese language. Uh, another friend with, uh, is is. Um, Chinese philosophy have uh, their uh, rich sources about the language, about the relationship of language, uh, sort, and the world. So that's the second front. Third front is, uh, we what, in, uh, in, in so doing, we also think about how the uh, 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 resources uh, in the contemporary Western philosophy can help in interpret uh, resources uh, concerning the Chinese language and the Chinese, Chinese philosophy uh, to uh, help our understanding and treatment through the philosophical interpretation uh, of these resources in the Chi- in the Chinese uh, language and the Chinese tradition. Now we move on to the uh, White Horse Paradise. Uh yeah, usually uh, uh it's uh, uh, this uh, White Horse uh so right now is White Horse Paradise, uh is put forward by Gong Sun in his uh, famous uh, essay uh uh so uh, literally translate uh, could be translated into the white horse discourse or on white horse. Uh, Gong Sun Long himself, uh, did not use a term paradox. The so paradox is a uh, in uh, is added by some contemporary scholars uh, in their uh, interpretation. Actually, is a controversial issue. Which were not uh uh. Gong white, uh, white Horse, uh, discourse really present a paradox, or just a paradoxical appearance? But actually, he presents consistent uh, approaches without any uh paradox. Okay, um, it's a uh, why is a White Horse? Uh, argumentation is, uh, linguistically and uh, philosophically interesting. So we can, uh, I think, uh, explain that issue in two connections. Yeah, for instance, uh, linguistically speaking, that's, uh, uh, is, a, uh, white horse, uh, argumentation is delivered in the classical, uh, Chinese uh, language. The classical Chinese language has some uh, distinct uh, features. Uh, some of them pass on to the modern uh, Chinese language. For example, uh, we don't have article. We don't have a definite in definite articles. Uh, we don't have a, a grammatical plural form in the White Horse argumentation. Uh, so na- right now we translate into the modern uh, language is uh, uh, the white horse is horse white horse is not horse right we adding the is there but in the ancient Chinese we don't have a counterpart of the to be there so go is just a white horse if I give a literal translation is something like this white horse horse. white horse not horse, right <laughs> it's a is a linguistic speaking is a' uh, is uh interesting. Uh it's uh expose it's some feature of the Chinese language and uh, also indicating how is uh predication is possible, how the reference is possible. Uh surely it's a uh, controversial it's uh Gun Sun read this uh question philosophically and uh, uh surely if some people uh a layman on the street just to make a claim white for not for people King or her as crazy, but Sun Long make it uh, philosophically. He uh, come up with uh, five different argumentation for the thesis: white horse is not horse. But actually, uh, if Long just say white horse not horse, is uh, people would <laughs> render him just uh, crazy. Uh, his point actually uh, is this. Uh, just for so mention, there are five different argumentation in his. Uh, uh, in his essay. But actually, in my opinion, the second one is the uh, most important, is to provide a fundamental rationale underlying all these uh, five uh, arguments. Uh his point is something like this. Depending on what is the sort, you can say white horse is horse, is identical to the horse, and you can also say white horse is not horse. So yeah, his point is a uh, is a uh, not say you can only just say one well word, not four. And then right now it's uh, appear to be paradoxical because he say you can say both. But his important point, as uh, I just highlight, uh, he say depend on what is so I think that's a key term. Uh, actually, when you look at his uh, uh, argumentation, he say, uh if you. Uh, if what is sword is a common thing shared by the white horse is not horse, you should say white horse is horse. Or the white horse is identical to the horse. But if what is sword is something distinct, a uh, possessed by white horse but not by the horse, you should say white horse is not horse. So uh, you can say there is a uh, there is a, uh, I- in my interpretation there is a. No genuine contradiction. That's a, a, yeah. If you translate based on his uh, argumentation, translate his uh, sentence into the complete statement. Actually, say the white horse is identical to the horse with regard to or well, relative to their shared common feature. But white horse is uh, not identical to the horse. Regarding or relative to something different, some distinct feature processed only by the white horse, but not by every member in the collection of the horse. So, in this way, yeah, there's no paradox, there are no contradiction. So, it's a more philosophical interesting. Actually, uh, in my opinion, uh, much earlier than the uh, teach, yeah, teach uh, is usually in the contemporary. Uh, logically, first guy to put forward the idea of the relative identity, right? Uh, in my opinion, Gong Sun Long is the first guy to put forward the idea of the relative identity. You see, in my just a very brief translation of the a, a paraphrase of the Gong Sun Long's point, you can see, yeah, he talk about the identity or not identity, yeah, relative to what you focus on, right? So I uh I think he's a uh, uh, he made a contribution uh, to our understanding of the relative identity, and uh, from that point, he also made contribution to the refined formulation or uh, refined understanding of the what is the law of the identity and the, what is the okay. principle of non contradiction.
1: So, um, so let's for the sake of time here, we've we've covered. Um, so this is Biunguk Yi. Yi is the. Um, is the contributor for chapter one on the white horse yeah. paradox. Mm-hmm. And then in chapter uh, two, that is you have a um, reply to and discussion of the double reference account on the same topic, the white horse, not horse thesis, which we were just talking about. Um, but then, um, so that's, there's those two chapters on, on the white horse paradox. Chapters 3 and 4 move on from the white horse uh, discourse, as you're calling it, Uh, not necessarily paradox, right, which originated in the Warring States period, which was around the 3rd century BCE. Um, But, of course, as you you note, there's a distinction between classical Chinese and modern uh, dialects or topolects, however you want to characterize them, Mandarin, Cantonese, Hokkien, and so on. Chapters 3 and 4 take up the discussion of language change over time, as well as Mm -hmm. diversification of language uh, at a particular given time. And so this is Marshall Williams' contribution in Chapter 3, Comparative Analysis of Chinese Measure Words, and then Mm -hmm. Jianhua Mei's Intuitions or Reasons, right? So what do these two contributions tell us when we're looking Mm -hmm. at at the Chinese Mm -hmm. language?
2: Uh, Yeah uh in uh, in the first part uh, yeah as uh, uh michael summarized correctly the first one professor Yi and me focused on uh what products actually we uh we focus on you can say it's a deep semantic syntactic structure of the chinese name and um uh, in contrast in the third chapter three and the chapter four appear to focus on uh uh, superficial grammatical and uh, uh, level of the change, and uh, it's a uh, 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 it's uh, uh, Marshall Willman uh, aim at uh, analyzing the Chinese noun phrase involving the major words from an evolutionary perspective. So eventually, his conclusion is uh, is. Uh, 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 is a uh, Chinese measure words. Uh, ma- measure words. That uh just like the English term, a cup of the water, a cup of water, <laughs> something like this. Uh, in the English, is uh, seldom not so uh, uh, often. But in the Chinese, uh, in the case of the uh, in the chi- modern Chinese case, is widely. You cannot directly add one, two, three. Directly in, in in on. You know, front of the uh common now you need to add measure words. Yeah. Uh, uh, Marshall's a conclusion actually from an evolutionary point of view, he looked at the grammatical change, eventually the point is uh uh is uh human beings throughout the world share the more or less the same physical uh panel play of the neurobiological mechanism for expressing and increasing the sentence we used to communicate. Uh yeah I, I i share with a uh, similar sentiment uh so uh but actually his point in the uh, with our concern with the deep semantic syntax structure is uh, consistent, but eventually uh, based on his uh uh look at the development of the from an evol- evolutionary perspective and the people's the uh, natural language become uh, more and more close similar uh, i think there's uh, no wonder. For two reasons. Yeah, for one thing, uh, different natural language is also my personal view. It shares a uh, deep semantic and syntactic uh, structure. So there's uh, no wonder there's uh, a natural language, a superficial, apparent uh, linguistic expression that becomes uh, uh, a close. Uh, we can consider the distinction between the classical Chinese and the modern Chinese. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, in, my, in my view, the modern Chinese and uh, classical Chinese there are some um, differences. Uh, I mean the written language, but they share the same similar deep semantic syntax structure. So right now you can see modern language is more and more like the like the other natural language, English. Uh, for example, I just mentioned in the ancient Chinese language we don't have the counterpart of the b, but in the modern Chinese uh, language uh, uh, b either as identity identity sign or as a predicate, is classification is widely used uh, uh, so it's a it's a it's a quite natural because it share the same deep semantic syntax structure another uh, reason i think is very simple we as humans we share the same similar internal psychological and uh, uh, structure and we are facing the same world not where some people are on another planet, the, uh, another group on the, uh, uh, the other planet. We are share the same environment. We are on the same Earth, on the same planet. So these are uh, two major reasons. Uh, so there's no wonder for uh, Marshall's conclusion. And uh, chapter four is jinghua uh, Mei. I actually look at this from an experimental philosophy is a recent uh, new movement uh, in contemporary philosophy. Now, his point is, uh, uh, when people carry on uh, experimental philosophy uh, experiment uh, to test people's uh, intuitive understanding, we need to pay more attention to the reason behind their intuitive uh, intuition. I think that uh, uh, I also share this uh, sentiment, so the big reason, uh, you, when you just look at the parent uh, intuition, for example, when he uh, tests uh, the people's uh, in uh, giving the cryptic and the figures uh, explanation. So when he uh, when he tests the students, uh, say in Hong Kong University, uh, uh, how they react, uh what's their reaction to the cryptic and the and the figures approach? So re- uh, uh, based on the uh, in. Uh, empir- empirical philosophy is a test uh hong kong students uh, is a uh, favor rigorous approach okay typically in the uh they favor the crypto uh i think the uh made point is uh, this uh, apparent intuition seems to be so different but however when you carried on uh, when you design uh, experimental tests when you focus on the reason behind the intuition, so you can find these different reason. fundamentally, actually it's complementary. So it actually depends on how the questions are designed in a certain way. So if you design in a, in a similar way, probably the two group students, the reason appear to be uh, very close, or the reason is not so different, uh, contradictory in the conflict. But complementary. So in this way, uh, in the first part, uh, is, yeah, as I say, the first two focus directly focus on deep, deep semantic syntax structure of the Chinese noun. The chapter three and the four they are focused on uh, some uh, apparent uh, grammatical change and the people's intuitive understanding. But I think is uh, 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 fundamentally they share the similar sentiment. There is a yeah people have a uh uh people in different natural language communities share the similar same deep semantic syntactic uh, structure and but we have different manifestation. Uh, this um, different manifestation are uh, philosophical interest, but it does not uh, go against. There is a similar same deep semantic syntactic structure.
1: Right. So the underlying underlying biological and sort of semantic structures are shared. um, And we can see that, in fact, by looking at different languages, looking at languages over time, diversity at at a time. right. So so then um, let's let's move forward to part two, which is cross contextual meaning and understanding. And in this section of the book, you have two contributions, um, one by A.P. Martinich. On communicative meaning and meaning as significance, and another one by Una Stonjnik and Ernie Lapore on semantics and what is said. And in this part of the book, you're it's really sort of broadening out and thinking about philosophical problems of meaning and understanding from an analytic philosophical approach. Mm-hmm. Here, um, one problem that faces us, you might think, in both in ordinary life and in this kind of cross-cultural project. Is how we can understand the meaning of other speakers or, or other texts, especially when they're they're coming from different backgrounds. So that's one of the one of the issues that's brought up. And another um, is the, this idea that well, the term meaning itself is polysemous. So when we're trying to figure out meaning and do philosophical analysis of meaning, we have to understand well what what do we mean by meaning? Like to fix fix that sense. Um, so that broadly, as I understand it, is the the topic of these two chapters. Can you dig us a, st- a little deeper into, into what's going on in these two chapters?
2: Oh, okay. Uh yeah, I, I have uh, two notes on this part. Uh yeah, for instance, why I arranged the uh, part three after part one, <laughs> uh, because I think uh the point in the part one, joint through, can provide some uh, rationale for understanding uh is a uh, uh point uh, to provide some uh, relevant resources uh, for understanding and uh, treatment of the issue raised in the part two. Uh, That's my first note. Uh, Another note, actually uh, different from uh, all of the other contributor in the other part. This is the only part, and uh, two contributors, I just three contributors uh uh for instance they are not directly talking about the chinese language for another thing they're generally speaking is uh, uh uh it's uh uh they do not have the working knowledge of the chinese language but why i include it uh just because uh there is uh for two uh two considerations yeah for instance the issue per se because because you talk talk about the uh, uh uh the issue is uh, <clears throat> cross contextual meaning understanding. Yeah cross contextual is uh is uh just a general term uh it can cover the cross tradition. Here we talk about the different tradition different language. Cross uh contextual uh is uh, is uh this topic is especially relevant, interesting to the thing of this value. We talk about the cross-tradition, uh tradition in the philosophy language. Uh is uh is especially uh relevant here. Cross contextual and cross-tradition essentially mean the same. So these uh two uh these contributors uh uh points are directly relevant to the thing of this uh uh this value. Uh for well, another note, it's uh, why I invite uh, 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 Professor Martini and uh, Professor Hong to uh, contribute to this value because uh, they are two active participants in the mainstream and literation, participating in the uh, our range of the construct, constructive engagement uh, project concerning the Western philosophy and the Chinese philosophy um there's uh yeah these uh the uh uh philosophically philosophically speaking they are especially uh i was uh uh special interest in this construct engagement between the chinese philosophy and western philosophy um and uh uh and their points is are directly relevant to uh, the scene of this value by the way i uh uh professor uh, Martin is uh, uh, widely used uh, anthology source book, philosophy language. His uh, uh, it's first edition, I think, it's 1985. Uh, at that time, I was still working in the philosophy language, uh, philosophy, uh, philosophy, uh, uh, Institute of Philosophy, uh, Chinese, Chinese Social Sciences. Uh, I organized, uh, 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 coordinated the translation of this book into the Chinese. Uh, right now, this is, I will write in multiple editions. So we, when we translate the book, is uh, about, uh, almost 30 years ago. Uh, and then it's a public Chinese version of that book published in So it's, uh, Professor, uh, Martin uh, participating, uh, almost all of our project is, uh, especially interested in, uh, especially interested in this, uh, uh, it's, uh, a uh, project concerning the language, because uh, we uh, our project is not just limited to the philosophy language. It also covers the other subject. Actually, that's re- related to the previous question. Why we are interested in the Davidson, the Cell. Yeah, uh, I just briefly mentioned because it's uh, two thinkers. Their uh, philosophy, their uh, foreign thing, they have the major work uh, in the philosophy language, and also their philosophical interest is expensive, not limited to philosophy language. They consciously apply their resources in the philosophy language to resolve the uh, question, the issue in the other subject of philosophy language. So that's just uh, quite fit is uh, uh, a lot of the scholars in the Chinese uh, philosophical community. So they think uh, uh, when they read uh, Davidson, the chancellor's uh, work, they feel at home because they are not just uh, uh, the, they they take out the larger uh, philosophical concern, not just the focus uh, on technical uh, dimension of the philosophy, uh, language, and uh, uh, and and uh, 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 yeah, that that's think that's the one reason why we take the uh, yeah is uh, Davidson philosophy, Chinese philosophy, and Zhang uh,
0: China. This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: Yeah, and we see that in – and so moving on to part three where there's an exploration of two major themes in Donald Davidson's work that have been taken up by people thinking about Chinese people and – sorry, thinking about Chinese philosophy and people um, working uh, in in Chinese philosophy. So we have uh, A.C. Graham uh, thinking about conceptual schemes and linguistic relativism in relation to Chinese – and then a response by uh, Yong Ming Feng. Please help me with the pronunciation there. A C. Graham's Sinologist criticism and the myth of prelogical thinking. And then you engage in a in a response to the two of them here. So um, why don't you, if you if you can, for us tell us what's going on here with the principle of charity and this idea of conceptual schemes, and why is this relevant to doing Chinese and comparative philosophy?
2: Yeah, it's a uh... Uh, Davidson's is, uh, 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 is, uh, is a is is uh, essay on the very idea of skin. Uh, is rendered by many uh, people in the Chinese philosophical uh, uh, philosophical render is very relevant because uh, Davidson's basic point is uh, is uh, he rejects the radical uh, relativism. Uh, he rejects the very idea of the conceptual scheme. Uh, uh, Chi- the the scholar in the uh, chinese philosophy uh, is in the study of chinese philosophy not limited to the uh, native chinese speaker in and also including the with Graham, uh, we the is uh we all know is uh course uh, 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 actually he's a british uh, philosopher but he's expert in the chinese philosophy uh he's a, uh, uh, reaction is uh, negative. Actually he thinks that Davison is uh, wrong. Uh yeah it's uh, yeah, the point of Davison's idea uh, is uh, not less uh, uh I mean people agree with uh Davidson but uh, uh the charm of the Davidson philosophy is uh is is uh, is uh, uh in uh, is uh, stimulate people the thought and uh, think about the further and the deeply. So uh actually Graham's thing he put forth some counter example uh to the Davison's um, uh uh conclusion there's a no conceptual scheme. he said uh yeah the we uh, the chinese language uh illustrates different conceptual scheme. for example we just use a simple example uh in the uh, in the english term the shape right uh it, it's a uh it's a cover uh it's uh uh both actually uh in the Chinese we use a different kind of the uh, uh di- different term to refer to what shape covered yeah as a uh, professor you feng pointed out uh he said we we have a lot of different terms for example in the in the chinese terms, that is uh in the english the uncle is a correspondent to the uncle in the mother side and the father side right uh, because the Chinese language reflects like the a re- uh, refined understanding of the human relationship uh mm-hmm. but uh, actually it's, uh, 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 uh reject and uh, engage with grand uh, he uh, he great uh he explains uh, what's the problem yeah okay.
1: Yeah, so sorry. Go ahead. How does he disagree with this idea? That so Graham is pointing out. Well, look in in English, this sort of concept of of uncle is not as uh, refined as in yeah. Chinese, where you have this very uh, fine grain conception of family relations. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So how does uh, uh, Fengzi respond?
2: Right, right, right. Uh, Fengzi re- uh, response uh, basically it's, uh, uh say. Uh, we are facing the same world we're talking about the same object and then we have a different perspective just like the take a picture people take the picture from a different angle from a different perspective and then result in different uh, picture right uh, uh, but however that does not a show we're talking about a different thing we are still talking about the same object but we talk about same object differently, from a different perspective. That does not mean we talk about a different object. The grant plan actually using the uh, uh, is a counter example in the Chinese, uh in, uh, in uh, intending to show uh, we have a uh, different conceptual scheme resulting in different world. Uh but point what is at issue is uh, uh Yeah, we agree, there is a difference. Yeah, Uh, different perspective, different picture. But however, whether or not, there's difference leading to the different uh, world as a metaphysical level. Uh, Actually, uh, uh, in that connection, I share uh, the sentiment with uh, Professor Fung, but I using my, what I call the double reference account. Uh, I think I can deliver the same point uh, clearly. yeah, we, uh, when we make a reference, we always, uh, at the same time, talking about the uh, reference as a whole, and at the same time, we focus on uh, some specific part. So, when we move on to the, uh, uh, the uh, what is the issue here is something like this. Uh, I think this, uh, I think is uh, the professor sh- uh share the same line, but i using the double reference account to deliver the same point. Okay. we yeah we talk about the same object, but we uh we talk about the same object differently with a different focus. okay here we f- focus on uh, uh shape okay uh, in the tiny in the Chinese system we uh, uh, for, uh, however we focus on uh, uh, when we focus on one specific uh, character feature shared by some subgroup. Of the larger group, so we using the different Chinese term to name that subgroup of the shape. Another group probably uh, is uh, uh, talk about same object but differently from a different uh, perspective, focusing on uh, some distinct feature of the shape, and then they use uh, another uh, Chinese uh, term to label that feature. But, however, in so doing, that does not mean that resulting the the different uh, different uh, shape. We we are just talk about the same group shape, and then we focus on a uh, different aspect, and then make a further sub classification. Uh, I think uh, it's a, bit, a point is this Davison actually emphasizes people uh 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 have recognize there is a lot of the difference especially when we travel to the new place the new country and then we come across some uh, distinct uh things and then uh, usually we try to exactly that difference uh is uh, and then forgot there is still some fundamental underlying agreement uh yes uh, uh i in in my editorial remarks uh after this debate between the Grand Han uh, and the Professor Feng, uh, I elaborate the depths in the point. Uh, I think, the, in my opinion, the Grand Han has some misunderstanding of the depths in the point. Uh, but however, I present the two scholars' uh, presentation as a whole so that other readers can make their judgment.
1: Right, right. And so we'll invite, invite the listeners to maybe dig in and, and give, give it a shot, see what they, what they think. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's continue on then to this part four. And here we're looking at semantic truth and pluralist approaches in Chinese context. And so in part four, we're focusing on the status of truth, which is another important topic in philosophy of language So in this section, chapters uh, nine and ten in the book, what we're we're looking at uh, is is Wang Chong, um, and we're we're looking at his contribution from the Eastern Han Dynasty, somewhere around twenty five to one hundred Common Era, and the what's at issue is a controversy about whether the theory of truth it is. One theory of truth that is common now, which is the correspondence theory, that sentences are true because they correspond to something extra linguistic, something in the world. Whether that's a theory of truth that classical Chinese philosophers held, like Wang Chong. And so mm-hmm. can you maybe tell us then why people have a differing understandings of Wang Chong's approaches to mm-hmm. truth? Uh, this is mm-hmm. Alexis McLeod's chapter 9 and... Uh, Lejos Bronze Chapter 10. Yeah.
2: Uh, let me uh, first briefly introduce the uh, background of the debate. Uh, I, actually, uh, I would like to say this uh, debate, uh, uh, including in, uh, included in this uh, uh, value, is kind of the internal controls between those scholars who agree. There is a series the of semantic truth concerns. In philosophy, in view of the nature of the current value. But actually, when I say there's the internal and the external controversy, by external uh, controversy, I mean some people just uh, deny there is a semantic truth, uh, well there is a significant semantic truth in the Chinese philosophy, such as uh, chad Hansen. People already know this scholar. Uh, is uh, yeah, there's a. Uh, 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 there is a uh, uh, substantial and a significant debate. This kind of debate, whether or not there is a semantic truth, truth, uh, or just a pragmatic truth, that's a big debate. I have uh, actually uh, last year. I uh, probably later on I will see some. I uh, have the uh, monograph just published last year. It was a systematically explanation of the whole debate, not just the internal mm-hmm. debate. Yeah. Uh, i will say um, something more about that okay this debate uh, it doesn't does not include those uh we all know scholars uh, uh aces such as ted hansen and uh, roger emos uh is uh but just including these our uh people uh who think uh there is semantic truth concern and a significant semantic truth concern within the chinese philosophy so now uh what is uh as uh as issue among uh this uh two scholar actually three scholars. this is uh uh is a two chapter and my uh, extensive uh, editor's uh, remarks. We have different uh, different views, right? So what is the uh, controversy is is uh, here. Uh giving the semantic truth concern uh, as uh, presented in the uh, Wang Chung uh, we mentioned that uh, yeah I actually this debate is uh, starting from, uh, uh, uh article, uh, published in the Comparative Philosophy. He gives a kind of, the, uh, is, uh, is, a pluralist, uh, account of the Wang Chung's uh, concern. But basically he's thinking there is, there's a semantic concern, but there's another other concern. He, he thinks that uh, Wang Chung come up with a pluralist uh, account, uh, which can render philosophical interesting uh which uh, combines semantic tru- uh truth concern but uh, other uh, concern. the semantic truth concern is not rooted it's not most fundamental and and then the other uh is uh, uh scholar is let uh, 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 uh yeah bronze yeah uh bronze uh, degree yeah he gives different interpretation i also give the uh, different uh, interpretation uh, different form, forms. But basically, uh, in a simple words, uh, this kind of internal con- controversy between those scholars who agree there is a series of semantic truth concern in the Chinese philosophy. But how to understand the status and the function of this semantic truth concern? Uh, whether or not this semantic truth concern is uh, located as a base level and uh, or just a kind of the parallel with the other things and then make a contribution. This, this is, what is what is at the issue. My own view is uh, is something like this. Uh, people's perspective understanding of the truth as a way of the things are capturing is uh, located uh, at a base level. It's a constitutive norm, uh, norm, normative basis. Uh, and the philosophical concern with the truth uh, should be considered to be carried on uh, uh, on this basis. But there's uh, another big story. I, Explain the uh my approach in a separate monograph book, uh. But anyway, yeah, this is a uh, uh, uh this is a uh, uh controversy regarding the semantic truth, the status and the function and the semantic truth concerning Chinese philosophy. The question is uh, why I do not include, for example, Ted Hansen and Roger Immerse. Uh, there is an external uh uh controversy uh because here's go with uh uh presupposition this is the value of the uh, philosophy language we talk about the truth we talk about the semantic truth this semantic truth is truth and the reference are two basic uh, no uh, basic semantic notion in the philosophy language uh so i think yeah that that's that basically uh, there uh, there's another uh uh, uh scenario context we carried on uh uh debate on uh on uh, uh truth. semantic truths or pragmatic uh truth uh by the way they, they are using the pragmatic truth not in in the sense people use uh, talking about the pragmatic uh uh in the language.
1: Yeah right so, so 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 they don't mean pragmatics in the sense of for example the study of how we do things with words, um metaphors, um, figurative speech or things like that. They mean.
2: Uh, I I would like say, uh, is related, but is not motivated by the philosophical. Uh, is uh, 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 let me put it this way. Uh, when when we uh talk about the philosophical concern with the truth, uh, we have a different project depending on uh, which aspect, which dimension of the philosophical concern with the truth are talking about. Yeah, we have a kind of the metaphysical project concerning the nature of the truth we have a epistemological uh, project concerning the probable truth uh concerning the criterion and the mean by which uh, how to uh, how to achieve the probable truth and we have a linguistic project in uh, concerning the how to use a truth predicate so uh in in this project, we also talk about uh, how people use the uh, truth predicate. Um, but but however, in the uh, in the debate on the truth in the uh, study of the Chinese philosophy, uh, people are it's uh, from uh, some uh, more substantial point of view to talk about the pragmatical uh, approach to the truth. Uh, it's uh, related, but primarily not from a uh, Pragmatic, uh, uh, from a philosophy languages point of view, yeah. that that that's uh, uh, I have one chapter mm-hmm. in the, uh, I, I mentioned the monograph book to analyze the debate of this, uh, uh Roger a. Morris approach, Chad Hansen's approach, uh, where their point of view are located.
1: Gotcha. So, so in this section of the the volume, we're looking at the question of truth, and in um, uh, the Chinese context here, that uh, Alexis McLeod and um, and and you and the others are, are looking at. Um, we're looking at she, right? She she. Uh, uh, as,
2: as which, which part?
1: So, um, so, the term for truth is she. Oh. <laughs> uh so
2: uh, oh, you SH, mean you, right. chapter nine, chapter ten?
1: Yeah, chapter nine and chapter ten.
2: Chapter ten, okay.
1: Yeah, so Shi uh, and Fei. You
2: right. are mentioned some Chinese terms, Chinese yes. original character. Those,
1: those are the terms. correct? Oh, shi. Right.
2: oh shi. okay. Shi, yeah. Uh, literal translation of the Shi just uh, is a fact, reality. Yeah. So it's a uh, uh, it's a uh, when uh, Wang Chong uh, the Chinese uh, Han, uh, classical Chinese philosopher in the Confucian tradition, talk about the the shi, shi, uh, appear to to be the is a kind of the uh is a correspondent uh approach. Oh, by the way, um, uh, in this value, uh, and uh, in my uh introduction, I distinguish the people's prescriptive the way of things are capturing, understanding of the truth, uh, distinguishes this from a correspondence approach. I take the correspondence there, uh, approach as a theoretical elaboration of the people's theoretical understanding of, of the truth, but not exactly the same. So when I talk about the semantic truth approach, uh, I, generally speaking, I avoid uh, characterizing is a semantic truth in terms of the correspondence uh, because there is uh, some other way than correspondence to capture things are. Uh, I, uh, in some section, I explain uh, this point in that monograph book about the semantic truth approach in the Chinese philosophy. For example, we talk about the, uh, uh, for example, uh, easy example. Uh, in that monograph book I use a uh, Chinese uh, landscape picture on the cover of that book. So it, it's obvious it's not a kind of the corresponding uh uh way to capture with mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh especially in the Chinese uh, landscaping uh, picture. They often use uh, some very brief uh, stroke and uh highlight something. So you can Find that it's a kind of release the uh, one to one correspondence, but it's uh, still one way to capture which things are. Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, that I use this example to illustrate why I think is, uh, I avoid uh, using the correspondent uh, theory or correspondent approach uh, to highlight truth concerns. Uh, yeah, it's a semantic truth concern.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so in so in this section, then we part four was thinking about semantic truth, and one of the things that was at, at issue was the it was sure and Fei and how we understand these concepts in the Chinese language and Chinese philosophy in relationship to things like semantic truth, correspondence theory, and so on. In part five, there are some other. Uh, key concepts expressed in the Chinese language like Xing in Confucius um, and Heideggerian nothingness or openness, as well as a lot of the um, the sort of linguistic plays in uh, the Zhuangzi. So um, in chapter, excuse me, in part five, the speakable and unspeakable in Chinese texts, engaging exploration, this is part three, we have again three sections one is your editorial response. Uh, chapter 11 and 12 precede that, and we have Shanglong Zheng, From the Ineffable to the Poetic, which is looking at Heidegger and Confucius on poetry expression of language. And then Hua Chu, How Non Speech Becomes a Form of Speech, a reinterpretation of the debate at the dam over the Hao River, which is, of course, from the Zhuangzi. Uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about these briefly. So, of course, one is Heidegger and Confucius, the other one is looking at Zhuangzi. Um, how do each of these papers make connections between these different traditions? Um, and what are they trying to, um, what do they think these thinkers are saying about the expressive capacities and limitations of language?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, okay, that's a good question. <clears throat> uh actually uh in this part uh yeah generally speaking the whole value appear to be the analytic uh, uh oriented and because we only focus on davidson johncell and uh and uh, you see those uh philosophers like uh, martinique and li and all those uh, philosophers so in this part actually we uh we resort to the continental resources in two senses uh both in the narrow sense as uh, uh some uh, approach within the western tradition, we talk about the uh, uh, heidegger right uh as I mentioned earlier uh uh by the different philosophical tradition, we understood it in the broad way also it covers uh by different style and orientation. in that sense uh to that extent uh a continental approach is also manifested uh in the classical chinese philosophy. Uh, Chinese philosophy. So here, uh, actually, we are, uh, in this part we address the three uh, major figures in the <clears throat> classical Chinese philo- Chinese philosophy. The first, the Confucius, uh, in the Professor Zhang Xianglong's article, and then in the in the Chu Professor Chu Zhao's article uh, addressing the Zhuangzi, and then in my uh, uh, edit- editor's re- uh, remarks, I. Uh, Addressing the laws. I focus on the open statement of the Tao Te Ching, so that uh, we all know is uh, the Dao that can be talked. It's not genuine Dao, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in this in 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 uh, in that sense, we uh, in this part, especially, uh, especially we address the uh, resources of the complementary approaches, uh, both in his narrow in a across cross-cultural engagement. So uh, yeah, in. in uh in this part, I think there is a kind of the intrinsic connection between this part and the previous part on the on the truth. Actually, uh I, at the end of the, my uh, uh remarks on the part four, uh when I clarify the distinction between the uh, uh correspondent and the semantic uh, and the people's uh uh things are art to understand truth. I already in the in the address one point. Uh, but capital reasons are is not limited to the traditionally understood correspondence is one to one. It's also it's, uh, including the other way. Uh, either in the holistic way or in the Heidegger's way or in the Confucian's way in the trans. Because, uh, uh, as um, uh, uh, Professor Zhang and the Professor uh, uh, uh the article show both Confucius and the drones are actually in their way to talk about this world yeah this uh, uh they present their way to capture what things are so uh so in, in so in this way it's uh it's uh it's uh when we are things, the relationship between the speakable and the unspeakable and uh, uh, and uh, we need to at first uh, clarify what we mean by the speakable uh yeah probably we uh uh we still have some way to talk about it. and uh it's uh so-called unspeakable. For example, the ultimate reality, the Tao as a whole. What so is uh what we specifically t- talk about, cannot exhaust the thought uh, as a whole. Uh the the point of this part basically this. This actually is uh uh is, uh we can still somehow talk about the world uh using the resources in the uh these uh continental philosophers like uh, heidegger confucius uh, uh and yeah. and mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. great so so that brings us then to to the last section of the the book Uh, So in in some sense, we're kind of coming full circle here because this is coming back to the Chinese language, which we touched on in part one, uh, along with Chinese philosophy and philosophy of language. Because in this section, the book is taking up how Chinese language use in some early classical texts helps us approach important philosophical problems in philosophy of language. So in chapter 13, we have. Yang Xiao's Reading the Analects with Davidson, Mood, Force, and Communicative Practice in Early China. And then we have Metaphor and Comparative Focus by Kyle Takaki. Uh, And so let's touch on these two chapters. What lessons can philosophers thinking about language use learn from these these classical Chinese texts, in particular the Analects and the Dao Dao De Jing? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, <clears throat> let me first uh, introduce some uh, background or well, something shared by the, this chapter in the previous chapter. Uh, early on, I, hi- I highlight three fronts uh, of this uh, value take care of the things. Uh, one front is uh, is uh, focus on some uh, characteristic feature of the Chinese language. Second front is uh, some uh, relevant resources uh, about the language in the Chinese philosophy. The third one is uh, how is, uh, contemporary resources in the contemporary Chinese philosophy can help uh, interpret uh, 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 some relevant resources in the Chinese philosophy. So, uh, the chapter uh, five and this chapter uh, focus on um, later two friends. I just mentioned the three friends. First one is about the Chinese language per se. S- a second one about some resources in the Chinese philosophy. and the third one is how the contemporary resources can help our understanding the uh, relevant view in the Chinese philosophy. So previous chapter in this chapter uh, focused on uh, you see this uh, focus on uh, relevant uh, resources in uh, Confucius and the uh, laws and the the text. So it's basically on the second front how is the uh, relevant resources in the Chinese philosophy concerning language can contribute to our understanding treatment of the issue of the philosophy language so this chapter is also share this uh, feature they work on this front it's uh it's a figure out how the relevant resources in the in the Confucius the analyze and Lost the De uh, Jing can contribute to our understanding uh some issue in the uh Philosophy language, um, mm-hmm. and also on the other hand, similar to the previous chapter, this chapter they also want to use uh, some uh, uh, resources in the contemporary philosophy language to interpret uh, important point in the ancient thinkers' uh, text, Confucian and Laozi, Tao uh, Te Ching. For example, in the Xiao Yang's chapter, he uh, 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 he a uh he also involved the debate between the dominant and the Davidson right and then uh he eventually uh started with the Davidson point try to uh uh use the uh, Davidson resources to interpret some uh, relevant point uh in the confusion the analyze um and uh and uh, uh in the last chapter they tried to use some uh the uh, also talk about the uh, Davidson, uh, John Searle, and uh, another uh, philosopher's uh, theory of the metaphor, and then use these uh, res- uh resources to help understand the relevant point in the Tao Te Ching regarding the uh, metaphors. Um, <clears throat> and then I would like to emphasize one uh, uh background thing. Uh, the question is, uh, you see, uh. In contrast to the previous chapter, you can see the previous chapter largely is a semantic oriented, right? Uh, it's a reference, a truth, and a, a cross contextual understanding and uh, and a meaning. Uh, and uh, also is a continental speakable and and speakable. This, this one is uh, is uh, uh, is uh, basically is a pragmatic uh, oriented. Yeah. So I use the title is a language in the action. Uh, but I try to avoid using the pragmatic because uh, the very term the pragmatic is uh, is tend to be misleading. But that, so that's why I use the language in action through the Chinese uh, text. Um, I would like to that actually here uh, probably reader would raise a question because there is a uh, one basic debate about the relationship between the semantic and the pragmatic. Um, and uh, when uh the question related to this value is uh uh when these two chapter um, on a pragmatic orientation in the Chinese text, uh there's any le- any moral, any lesson we can draw regarding the relationship between the pragmatic and the, and the semantics. Uh I think it's uh uh, uh was all, because this part I don't have my uh, Editor's remarks. Uh, but anyway, I can uh, I can express uh, my uh, one of my general comments on uh, these two chapters. Uh, I think there uh, eventually was all they focus on a uh, pragmatic uh, uh, dimension of the language, but eventually that conclusion uh, is uh, uh, <clears throat> compatible and uh, uh, complementary uh, uh, to the semantic. Um, uh focus on, uh, on the language uh here is an example <clears throat> when the uh, for example when the story is uh addressing the debate between the summit and the, the Davidson, eventually is uh, uh the meaning is not exclusively determined by the intersubjective convention right and the De- uh, and the davison's talk about the uh yeah there is a, a strong pragmatic uh, uh Orientation. i mean in one connection so it's, uh, people some people uh, uh, think' it's, uh, it's probably a uh, mysterious uh, what's the relationship between the semantic and the pragmatic Davison philosophy so i think it's uh, at that point uh, to understand the Davidson we always need to uh, based on uh, his talk on a pr- uh, pragmatic on pragmatic on his uh, basic uh, semantic foundation because he's a uh, is a semantic uh, uh, truth condition. Semantic is constitutes the most fundamental basis. Uh, let me uh, put the point in a plain word. Okay, uh, given the is uh, <clears throat> a debate between the Dummett and Davison, uh, Davison still thinks we can people from a different tradition uh, is uh, from a different community they share the fundamental underlying agreement. Uh, the, these are fundamental un- underlying agreement. Uh, for example, simply speaking, we are facing the same world. Yeah, We can talk about the same object differently. Uh, it's, uh, when you talk about the same object differently, differently is uh, a lot of the pragmatic thing, right? But let's go with the precipitation. We talk about the same object. Uh, the, one of the major primary same update is the underlying agreement is the same environment, same world, natural world. Yeah, Davidson is a, yeah, it's a, there, even given the debate between the and Davidson, they still uh, both sides agree we can talk about the same world. So yeah. the, the, their debate is a, uh, on the on use level, based on the world, we can reach that uh, certain meaning. But as far as the fundamental underlying agreement, in the this this kind of the semantic foundation, so in this way, uh, to that extent, so I think it's uh, it, there is the, the, the semantic uh, this uh, discussion of the semantic dimension of the Chinese context and the, and modern speaking to, uh, and the language, uh, they can be uh, uh, it's a fundamentally compatible and a complementary to the semantic
1: form. Right. Well. So, so this is a, a nice uh, point to wrap up. We've gone through quite a lot of material in this edited volume, um, a lot of careful attention to the grammar of Chinese in the modern context, as well as the evolution of languages, attention to the language of Chinese in classical Chinese texts, the implications of that for philosophy of language. A lot of constructive engagement from a lot of different uh, directions: uh, Davidson, Searle, Heidegger, um, Confucius, Zhuangzi—quite a rich volume. So, uh, listeners will will need to pick this up themselves so they can can dig into some of these essays and your your editorial interventions. Let, let's conclude and just come back to—you'd briefly mentioned at the beginning that you have a new project occupying you, which is a focus on the etc like the methodology of constructive engagement. Can you just tell us a little bit about that?
2: Uh yeah, it's uh uh so after the publication of this value, uh in 1918. Uh if only considering their completion and the publication timeline, there are three relevant monograph books who the final stages of the work have been occupied me. I I actually uh, after this book uh uh two two of them uh, have been already completed at this moment uh one was uh, completed and published in nineteen uh, nineteen is uh, i just mentioned is uh, uh it's uh, entitled the Semantic Truth approaches in the chinese philosophy so uh <clears throat> uh in that book' is, uh i not just take care of the, some debate uh, concerning the Wang Chung Wang Fung is one of the Confucian and not limited to the uh, 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 Confucian Confucianism, you see is I also acquainted the Confucian itself and the and the Shunzi. But it also cover the Yijing philosophy, philosophy, uh philosophy, Moism uh, and the philosophical Taoism. So basically it's cover all the uh, in my opinion, representative approaches, also partially including the Buddhism. When I i uh talking about the uh, relationship between the Zhuangzi's approach and the uh, and the the double truth account, uh, account in the Buddhism so basically it's uh cover all these uh, semantic truth approaches in the Chinese philosophy and then I suggest and uh, argue for a general account of the truth it's a uh, uh, labeled is a uh, pur- uh, unifying pluralist approach uh just i mentioned in this book there is a debate. Uh, among the three scholars, uh, <clears throat> Professor Maglion, Professor Brown, and and me, <clears throat> uh, w- all our three think there is a uh, uh, weak uh, there is some kind of the uh, pluralist approaches uh, uh, in the Chinese philosophy. One of them, is the semantic uh, tools. The question is uh, whether or not this. Uh, uh, when you talk about the plural pluralist, there is a uh, different approaches. Uh, the qu- what is usually the is, uh, whether or not. These uh, different approaches could be unified by a uh, systematic, consistent account. Uh, actually, uh, at this point, is uh, I just mentioned, Leon, uh have uh, uh, their view is uh, quite similar to. Uh, uh, I think he's uh, when he pursued PhD in the kinetic, his uh, teacher is uh, uh, Lynch, right? And Yeah, uh, uh, he's uh, uh, put forward a kind of the uh function is the kind, this kind of plural is the mean, kind, but it's as uh, nothing there is a unifying basis. My view is uh, there is a unifying basis so that's why uh, i use uh, when i uh, in my editorial remarks i uh I present my my own paper' the first part right it's a root sheet and the and the root list so i think it's uh it's uh, mattleon's approach is root rootless because there's a different theories, but there's a no, in my, in my view is kind of rooted. Uh, so that's why I use the term unifying. So the question is, what's a unifying foundation? In my view, it's the uh, people's uh ways uh, reasons are capturing understanding of the truth. So this I take as a uh, unifying normative basis. I take the, all these uh, semantic approaches, in the Chinese philosophies, as a uh, different uh, perspective Elaboration of this uh, basic people's uh, prescriptive understanding of truth. Uh, so that's a uh, yeah that this one i already published here. So that's a uh, uh, it's uh, it's more comprehensive and also it's uh, provide my own account of truth. I, but actually, uh, this book is a sister value to my 2009 uh, book monograph book. is a substantive perspective. Isn't? uh in that book i uh, put forward the earlier line of this account of the truth, but in the different uh, context that's uh, in view of the debate between the def- deflationism and the substantive but this uh, two book right actually is a a, a, a assist- assistant monograph that one in the debate of the deflationism contemporary uh, substantivism. This one, in view of the semantic approaches of the Chinese philosophy, so in this way, uh, in my opinion, I suggest a unifying pluralist account to cover uh, different uh, uh, semantic tools approaches in different philosophical relations uh
1: and and then wow. uh, the one that we have to look forward to coming out in 2020 is the one that we already talked about, which is the um, cross tradition engagement in philosophy the a constructive engagement account with Rutledge. That that's the and so that's the last one that you've been been working on.
2: Uh, yeah, right. There's a. Uh, I just mentioned the three. Yeah, yeah. The second one is a is a further. Uh, more systematic, uh, explanation of the a range of the fundamental theoretical methodological issue in the construct engagement. So, such as the uh, issue of the normative basis, the issue of the incommensurability, the issue of the philosophical interpretation. So, in, in this uh, second book monograph, uh, actually, just uh, I think it's uh, forthcoming this month or next month. Yeah, you, you can see. Uh, yeah, I give, uh, there's uh, two major parts. The first part is the theoretical foundation part. I give a uh, kind of the systematic explanation of this uh, range of the theoretical issue. This issue is uh, more or less in the, uh, for example, in this value is uh, on the philosophy language. I uh, somehow it's uh, either just a presuppose or just a gives a brief, uh, just a very uh, brief explanation of presuppose. But uh, so in this sense, this book is a further uh, elaboration of the fundamental methodological strategy uh, in this 2018 book. Uh, okay. Uh the third one actually I start from next month so it's a it's a, a monograph on uh, reference and uh application so the subtitle is a double reference account you see in this book uh in my chapter two, I just give the basic line but in, in that one, I will give a systematic account uh engaging frequent quick uh, approaches so there's a pretty much a three projects after this value it's a yeah, each of them is a further elaboration
1: of some point. Yeah, well, that's great. We'll have we'll have to look forward to to seeing more of your your work on the double reference, which we've mentioned throughout the interview, and then the forthcoming on the constructive engagement account. Thank you very much for all of your time today, Doctor Doctor Mo, and um, uh, all all our best to you. All the best to you.
2: Uh, it's uh, matter. My, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you this opportunity to talk with you, and you uh, just your time.